1: Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living Magazine. My guest today has been on the world stage for most of his life, from performing at Carnegie Hall to being recognized at this year's Academy Awards. But as we'll hear today, he still dreams of Monday nights at his parents' house for red beans and rice.
0: Sometimes it's just the family, other times people drop by a couple minutes before there's always something left in the pot, though. It, it feels very much like a low-key affair that anybody can be comfortable at, whether you're a king or whether you're just regular old Joe from up the block.
1: Music is a birthright for John Batiste. Members of his family have performed in both the Treme and Olympia brass bands in New Orleans, and by the time he was 20... John's piano talents had him touring Spain, Paris, and South Africa. John has been the band leader for the CBS Late Show with Stephen Colbert since 2015, and his musical range and abilities have allowed him to perform with everyone from Prince to Willie Nelson. Still, this past year has been John's busiest yet, with both a new album titled We Are, and his score for the Disney Pixar film Soul, which recently garnered him an Oscar nomination. Songs like this one, Born to Play, give the film an authenticity that could only come from a guy steeped in New Orleans jazz tradition. As John told me, the music is essentially another character in the story. On today's show, John tells me how his faith has driven his creativity and how his new album speaks to our current times. The deeper you go
0: on the inside, hopefully the more timeless and the more relevant the messaging will be. You talk about hymns, that's what makes hymns so powerful. You know, they can apply to you at any time in your life. Think about Amazing Grace. Those songs weren't written for a specific moment. But the depth of them apply to all moments.
1: Plus his friendships with Stevie Wonder and Mavis Staples and much more this week on Biscuits and Jam. Well, John Batiste, uh, welcome to Biscuits and Jam.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. And you know what? I love Biscuits and Jam any time of the morning.
1: Well, who doesn't?
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, John, before we do anything, I've just got to tell you that I loved that movie Soul, and I love the music in it, and I want to say congrats on your Oscar nomination.
0: Thank you so much. It's a blessing to really have been a part of such an amazing collaboration. I mean, it it was really two years of creative bliss. You know, we really wanted to make the music a character in the film, and... When you watch the film, the music should feel like a a, a familiar presence, not just backdrop.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that comes through loud and clear.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great to hear. I'm glad that the movie has, has resonated with so many people. Needless to say, after 2020, a lot of folks were feeling, you know, all sorts of ways, being isolated and everything that was going on in the world.
1: Well, it couldn't have come at a better time. I think when a lot of people were struggling and and, and kind of searching for answers, I think that had a lot to do with what resonated in such a big way.
0: Yeah, man, that's that old southern hospitality that I know so well. <laughs> Got to make people feel good in their own skin.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about that. You grew up in uh, Kenner, Louisiana, which is. Right by New Orleans and, and kind of sandwiched between the Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain, I believe. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your hometown?
0: Yes, indeed. You know, there's old Kenner and there's new Kenner. <laughs> and I grew up between both. When we say old Kenner, we mean the, the part of Kenner that is by the railroad tracks, bunch village, as pretty much as rural as you can get in a city environment. And you have a few schools, a lot of great churches, strong Catholic tradition and beautiful, lovely little ravines and canals. Then you go to, to New Kenna, and that's a little bit more of a suburb and when I was a teenager, we moved there, and I had a great time just playing basketball with my friends, a pretty suburban lifestyle that was broken up by going to New Orleans and playing with some of the greatest musicians of all time. So just kind of the balancing of those poles of existence was quite healthy for me.
1: Well, it sure it sure was, and, and uh, clearly it had a, a big impact on you.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, having a a place to go back to like Kenna just felt like such a a, a warm hug after these experiences in New Orleans that I would have as a kid where I would just be so excited and have so many ideas about music that were forming. And, um, you know, I I really, I really do love my upbringing. I'm very happy that I had this blessed fortune to be born there.
1: So, John, people in Louisiana take a lot of pride in their food, and I'm wondering if there were places or dishes that Kenner was really known for.
0: So, if you came to my mother's house, her red beans and rice recipe is legendary. I mean, I tell you what, so many folks came to her house in Kenner for the red beans and rice on Monday nights. And... I, I even showed that recipe to a few friends of mine, and one of my friends, Nathaniel Ratliff, he decided that he wanted to put it in a cookbook that he just put out.
1: <laughs> oh, no but, kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Nathaniel's an incredible musician, singer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even Trombone Shorty. I remember when we were kids growing up, he would come over to the house for the red beans and rice recipe. Uh, I was told my mom that we should get at least some small restaurant or something out there in Kenna, that recipe is so legendary amongst those of us in the neighborhood.
1: So can you paint a picture for me of like Monday night at the Batiste house uh, on red beans and rice <laughs> night?
0: Oh, it's, it's it's very, very low key. Probably have some some music going or, or our favorite television show, you know, whatever era of time it is, because you're talking about the uh, 90s, early 2000s, and um, really just thinking about, What happened with the Saints the night before, and uh, and you know either mourning that or still celebrating that, and calling up folks see if they want to come by for a last minute plate. You know sometimes it's just the family, other times people drop by a couple minutes before. There's always some left in the pot though. It feels very much like a low key affair that anybody can be comfortable at, whether you're a king or whether you're just regular old Joe from up the block.
1: <laughs> well, I love the idea of you and Trombone Shorty sitting down to some red beans and rice at the same table. You know, it's funny. That was a
0: tradition that uh, I, I, even when I moved to New York, in fact, when I joined the Colbert Show and and, and Stephen and I became friends, the first thing we did was uh, I invited him to the house and, and he... Uh, He came over and had my mom's red beans and rice. So, I mean, I'm still (laughs) inviting folks over to the house, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Well, you you grew up in a very musical family, to say the least. What were the holidays like in the Batiste house? I've got to imagine there was a lot of music.
0: Oh, my goodness. You know, I have the blessed fortune of being born into this musical dynasty of New Orleans music, and my father... Being my first musical mentor when I was growing up, he was my teacher. You know, he would tell me to listen to this, or he would tell me that this is something that I might be interested in reading or checking out. Same goes for my mother, who was very intellectual in her pursuit, to, although they weren't music, they would inform the music. <laughs> so she would tell me to 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 check out this or that. And eventually I would be at my grandmother's house. And this is my, my uh grandmother, my father's side. And this is during the summers where we would go there. And my cousins, we formed a junior band, Travis and Jamal. And we would play video games half of the day. And the other half of the day, we would play the soundtrack in the, the score music from the video games in the music room at my grandmother's house. And this is the same music room that my dad, when he was that age, a kid and younger, would rehearse with his brothers and my uncles. So you you can imagine just the that house on Elm Street in Bunch Village, Old Kenna. You know, just the 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 history of what happened in that band room, and me growing up and and and, and going through that as well. It was it, it felt like a rite of passage.
1: Yeah, you know, there's so much spirituality in your music, and I'm just wondering, was the church a big part of your upbringing?
0: Every Sunday, the church. And my faith in general is behind all the music that I make. And I think that that is something that people feel. And it's a good thing, no matter what you believe, to connect your creativity and connect your purpose to something bigger than yourself and connecting it to something that's bigger than what is good for only you and yours. And that's, you know, my faith is instilled in me from an early age and, staying close with God and staying close with Him through my my work is something that's always been a priority.
1: Were there particular songs or hymns that really resonated with you or made a big impact?
0: Oh, absolutely. Just a closer walk with thee. In fact, I'm thinking about back when I was in school, we used to sing, we have come this far by faith. And, uh, you know, we have come this far by faith. na, 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 na. Leaning on the Lord. There you go. Trusting in His holy word. Mm. He's never failed me yet. Do, do, ding. Oh. Can't turn around, we've come this far by
1: faith.
0: That one was, that, that one has stuck with mm. me for, forever.
1: Mm. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. It seems like something you sing with a group, you know? Absolutely. The part, oh, oh, oh,
0: oh, oh can't turn around. That, that proclamation of your faith sung in a group is one of the most faith-affirming things you can do.
1: Oh, I love that. You know, John, talking about your musical upbringing, there's a scene in the movie Soul where the main character, Joe, has to sit down and audition for a woman who's kind of a jazz legend, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yes, Dorothea Williams.
1: <laughs> so I'm wondering if you ever had a similar moment in your career when you were coming up. Well, I,
0: I had a few of these powerful matriarchal figures remind you of a grandmother or a stern mother and you sit at the piano for me that was Abby Lincoln I sat at the piano at her place and she was auditioning me I was 16 17 some first year I moved to New York out of high school I graduated high school early and I go to New York City and I'm looking for a gig friend of mine recommends me to Abby Lincoln and at this point This is probably the last band that she had um, before she passed. And and I go to her house and, and she's there at the door. She points me to the piano. No words beyond hello. I sit at the piano and then, you know, she starts singing. She's a legendary jazz singer whose voice, you know, especially for jazz fans and movie fans from that era when she was married to Max Roach. You know, you hear her voice and it's like you're hearing a record in person. And and it just kind of shook me, <laughs> and I started to play. And by the end of the song, she she's like, she's a different person. She's like, you got the gig, but she doesn't really say you got the gig. She just starts talking about other things, and that's how you know. Okay, now, <laughs> I'm I'm in. I was initiated, you know.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds kind of intimidating.
0: Yeah, it's intimidating, but I realize looking back, these are people who are so strong and have had to protect their art and their vision, you know, from so many things. Especially you talk about women of that time and coming up in, in a male dominated field and really trying to figure out how to protect the the, the vision of her, her, her creativity and uh, keep the standards high, you know, and and I I really respect that.
1: You know, speaking of strong women, I want to ask you about someone you've performed with a few times, Mavis Staples. Oh, yes. You know, she was such a force as a musician and an activist and, and a voice for the Black community, and still is. What does she mean to you as an artist? She
0: was one of those people that, when I met her, I felt blessed just to be able to connect on a person to person level with somebody who I view almost as, as a saint, a living saint in the sense that she's shown the light for so many of us, pointed us toward the right direction, put our life on the line and to just know her and have her not only be somebody who's inspired me, but to call her a friend, and a collaborator means the world to me. That's that's what life is about. Those kind of relationships and passing on that kind of wisdom.
1: Is she someone that you're in touch with?
0: Oh yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> funny story, that when I was finishing my album, she was someone who I was talking to on the phone and this is during the first wave of the pandemic, and I'm talking to her on the phone. And um since then she's got her vaccination, but she was just sitting at home like all of us before that. And um <laughs> I, 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 I start talking to her about what it means to be free and she starts talking about freedom and and I get so moved by the words that she's saying you could tell she's just caught in the spirit saying these words and I ask her can you can you say that again and let me record you she she says it again and and, and that's one of the clips that ended up on my album uh just from being in touch with her on the phone and not really thinking about trying to capture anything for the album next thing you know she's on the album
1: <laughs> oh no kidding <laughs> that's
0: great yes indeed
1: <laughs> i'll have much more with the great john Baptiste after the break Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and we're talking with John Batiste. I want to ask you about somebody else that you've referenced in other conversations. Um, You've said that you're frequently in touch with Stevie Wonder. Stevie, who was very instrumental in getting Martin Luther King Day declared a national holiday, and with everything going on in this world right now, and And last summer, especially, I'm just wondering, what are some of your conversations about? Well, he's
0: mostly at at a point in his life where he's seen it all. And our conversations are really more just him telling stories and me asking questions. And then, of course, just checking up on each other and family and friends, you know, just as friends do, you know, how's the family. But I think what I find the most incredible part of the relationship is that he's seen so much and I'm going through the things that he went through now. It's very important in your life, I think, to have these elders, whether it's people in your family who I have, and also people outside of your family who can relate to, what you're going through and can give you the wisdom to help you to deal with those situations as you face them.
1: Well, I imagine he has got plenty of wisdom <laughs> to share.
0: Yes, it's a the, the the music business is is really separate from music. So, when you find someone who has it has been able to keep their joy intact, and to do it at such a high level of the music business, it's really interesting to me because there's not been a lot of people who have gone into the music business at that level and come out on the other side unscathed and to have so much joy. You know, how do you keep the purity of your gift and your creativity and not lose any part of yourself, you know, or compromise anything about what you believe and what you want to create? So those are the kind of things that are important to to really understand.
1: Well, John, your new album, We Are, drops tomorrow. And the title song, which came out last summer, is just magnificent. And there's this refrain in that song. um, We are, we are, we are, we are the golden ones. We are, we are, we are the chosen ones. Can you tell me about those lines and what that song meant when it came out?
0: I wanted to speak to the realization that I had that whether we like what's going on in the world of politics, in the world of the government in general, or media, or our community, the people who have the most power are the citizens. It's us. And... We're chosen to be on this earth in this situation at this time. And we have a choice to make as to whether we want to accept all that comes with that, or if we don't want to accept it. And if we accept it, we didn't have to decide which way we want to go. Where do we want to take it all? Because at the end of the day, those things don't control us. We control those things. There's a lot that can be unpacked when we start to look at things from the perspective of our own personal power and the power of our communities versus looking for someone to come along to remedy things that we want to see changed.
1: But, you know, you must have written that song before any of the protests uh, of last summer or before George Floyd, is that right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Again, most of my music comes from the internal, not the external. So it comes from spiritual place. And when it lines up with things that are happening in the world, I think that that speaks to the depth of spirituality in the music.
1: it was just uncanny how much it seemed to connect with the times.
0: The deeper you go on
1: the inside,
0: hopefully the more timeless and the more relevant the messaging will be. You talk about hymns, that's what makes hymns so powerful. You know, they can apply to you in any time in your life. Think about Amazing Grace. Those songs weren't written for a specific moment, but the depth of them apply to all moments.
1: So I want to ask you about your new song, I Need You. We've all been through the most horrific year, and I mean, we've lost so many people. We've all been in this really dark tunnel, and you've come out with a song that is just totally jubilant. Can you tell me where this song came from?
0: I was thinking about the... 1930s and the 1940s, the the juke joint, Chitlin Circuit, where you see somebody like Little Richard or Fats Domino, and they'll be playing these bass lines, boom, 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 that classic rhythm and blues rock and roll bass line, and the jitterbug and the Lindy Hop dance from Harlem in the Harlem Renaissance in the 1930s and that whole aspect of the black social experience of that time blended with the sounds of a pop song of today. And even in the music video, I really, really think that the music video is such a great capture of all of that, where I'm dancing and my partner and I are are dancing this Lindy Hop choreography that's blended with uh, contemporary popular styles of dance. And, And we have the whole chorus doing it and it, you know, it really is a blend of those two worlds, and that's and, and and I think we just always we need to feel that love and that joy and that community.
1: It's just so fun. The whole thing is just so fun, and it just makes you want to get up out of your chair.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I I love that. There's been so many people sending me videos of them just doing just that, where they get up and dance. <laughs> they dance it in their kitchen or uh, their living room, and you know. We've been doing this thing on Sundays, even, where we dance on Instagram, where you can go live and you can have people from all over the world, I can do a dance with you to the song. So, you know, people have been joining from all over the world. We've just been dancing together for an hour.
1: I mean, it's just hard to sit down and listen to that song. It's a feel-good song, baby. (laughs) Uh, It's wonderful. Well, John, you've been through a really strange year like everybody. You haven't been able to get in front of audiences as much as you normally would. Have you gotten a chance to do any cooking? You know it.
0: (laughs) All the time, actually. It's one of the ways that I've kept saying what do you like to cook? What are you known for? You know what? It's those red beans and rice that my mother taught me. (laughs) My mama said, make it like this. And I tell you what, that's the right way to make it. In fact, I gave a recipe tutorial, leaving out some of the secret, but (laughs) I made a recipe tutorial online that a lot of people got a thrill out of it. And making some gumbo, making some grits. I love grits and eggs and and, and, and bacon, you know, everybody prepares their grits in different ways. Uh, shrimp and hominy, you know, um, made that the other night. Other, actually, every other morning I'm making grits or some sort of um, different version of, of of spice in the grits. I like sweet grits sometimes. I like cheesy grits sometimes. I like some tangy grits sometimes. I I, I can go on and on. It's f- cooking different pastas. I'm going to get into some yakamein, if you know what that is. No uh uh-uh. uh it's a soup that's a mix of um New Orleans and Asian flavors and um it it', it it's, it's it's got an egg base it's very very good it's very popular in New Orleans
1: wow that sounds that sounds great you you make a good gumbo?
0: oh yeah, my strongest recipe is the red beans and rice and the gumbo is probably like a close second, <laughs> but the gumbo. I don't make the gumbo as much because it takes a little longer. You know, I like to soak my beans overnight, but gumbo will take me at least three days to make (laughs) to do it right. Y'all know what I'm talking about.
1: Sometimes it's worth it.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, but it's a special occasion dish, so I don't have as much practice with it, you know?
1: Well, John, listen, we started out talking about the movie Soul, which is about a very talented musician who's searching for something. And with everything you have going on right now, I'm just wondering, what are you searching for? Every day, just trying to
0: walk the path the way that the Spirit leads me. You know, my faith is really the thing that helps me to stay grounded and take every day one day at a time. And when you do that, everything falls into place the way it needs to, as long as you are connected to the source. And for me, that's God through my faith as a Christian is connected to that source. And I think everybody, when they're, when they're walking right and they're doing the right, the right thing in their life, they feel connected to that source. And, and that's what I'm always seeking to do in terms of, uh, my, my daily walk, you know?
1: Is that something that you share with uh, with Stephen at all? Your your connection to faith.
0: Oh yes, that's that's one of the things that connected us from the beginning. I don't think we knew that, but once we got to know each other more, it was evident that that was something that made our chemistry what it is. But it's a beautiful thing when you find people out there in the world that are also collaborators. Who have that same faith. It's not about going out to necessarily proselytize to people, but there is something powerful when you have two or more gathered like that. It's beautiful.
1: And of course, you got that red beans and rice connection, too.
0: Hey, you know what? <laughs> he loved coming down and having those beans, I tell you that. He still talks about it, <laughs> and that was six, seven years ago, so <laughs> you, you can imagine, it's that good.
1: <laughs> Well, John Batiste, uh, thank you so much for being on Biscuits and Jam.
0: Hey, man. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. This is great, great conversation and just great energy, man.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening to my conversation with John Batiste. You can find his new album, We Are, and his award-winning score to the animated film Soul wherever you get music. Plus, you can watch him weeknights on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama, and this podcast was produced and edited in Nashville, Tennessee. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at southernliving.com and subscribe to our print publication by searching for Southern Living at www.magazine.store. Biscuits and Jam is produced by Heather Morgan Schott Chrissy Tiglius, and me, Sid Evans, for Southern Living. Thanks also to Ann Kane, Danielle Roth, Erica Wong, Jim Hankey, Matt Sav, and Rachel King at Pod People. We'll see you back here next week for more Biscuits and Jam.